Glory to labor, comrades, and welcome to the cabinets of fever dreams. Tonight's a tale of unemployment, night shifts, and incomprehensible rules. I work as a groundskeeper at... There is a strange set of tasks I have to perform, was originally released November 9th of 2021, and is read to you tonight by Vidif22, featuring the voices of Maya Sloka and Night Shift Ruminations, with musical backing by Carl Casey of White Pad Audio, Petra Merdien, and The Dark Side of Music. The following tales belong to the United People's Institute of Science series, which will be unraveling on the podcast over the following weeks. Make sure to drop by later for the rest of the tales in this collection. New episodes come out every Tuesday, Thursday, and Sunday. With all that said, drink your coffee, pack your snack, and get ready for a night shift. I barely noticed the letters peeking out of the stack of bills. After six months of asking for work, but never hearing back, I had given up hope. Yet, there it was. A letter from a job I had forgotten I applied to. Dear comrade, we are pleased to announce that you have been chosen for the post of groundskeeper at the building formerly known as the People's Institute of Science. As mentioned in the advert, your daily payments will be sent in cash to your mailing address. You are expected to report for the evening shift tomorrow, 1600 to 0400. Due to the history of the facility, we are unable to provide a direct address, but attached is satellite imagery that can guide your way. Once you reach the edge of the forest, keep heading north. The foliage around the facility is quite distinctive. Once you see the trees start to wither, you will know you are heading in the right direction. NB. Surrounding the institute, there is a ditch filled with water. Avoid it. If the water makes any contact with your skin, immediately contact your supervisor. Near the building of the facility, there is a guard shack. This is where you are to spend the majority of your time. If you need to contact your supervisor, there is a phone. There is also a cabinet of tools in case your work requires it. Upon arriving to work, you are to 1. Ensure the door to the facility is not obstructed in any way. If any items have been placed in front of the facility, remove them. If they cannot be removed without the aid of machinery, contact your supervisor. Bolt cutters, a blowtorch, and a crowbar are available in the tool cabinet. Do not contact the supervisor unless you are certain the problem cannot be handled by you alone. NB. Do not open the door once it is unlocked. 2. Search the area for vagrants. If you find any vagrants that are alive in the vicinity of the building or inside of your shack, instruct them to go inside of the facility. Tell them they are entitled to free food and liquor inside. And B. Do not follow the vagrants into the facility. In the unfortunate event of a corpse being found on the premises, do not contact the city police. The building that was formerly known as the People's Institute of Science is not within their jurisdiction. If corpses are found, contact your supervisor. 3. Return to the shack and monitor the grounds. Once you are certain that the door to the facility is accessible and that no unaccounted individuals are around, 
you are to return to your shack and monitor the grounds from inside. If anyone approaches the facility without prior warning, contact your supervisor. With the exception of special circumstances, the bulk of your work will be monitoring the grounds between shifts. You are not to leave your workstation for any reason. Any intrusion on the grounds is to be reported immediately. Do not communicate with the potential threat and simply wait for your supervisor to deal with the issue. NB. The city police do not have authority near the building that is formerly known as the People's Institute of Science. Do not cooperate. At 2358, you will hear a siren. This signals the arrival of the midnight shift at the facility. It is your responsibility to verify their identity badges. At no point are you to make eye contact with the members of the midnight shift. You are to turn your chair away from the window slot and wait for identification papers to be presented to you. Once in possession of the documents, you are to read the names and the badge numbers to your supervisor. Once no new documents are presented, you are to wait for the siren to stop. Do not turn around until the siren stops. Once the midnight shift is out of sight, you are to return back to monitoring the grounds of the facility. In the rare instant that the door to the facility is left open, you are free to go home early. NB. Do not, under any circumstance, enter or look inside the building formerly known as the People's Institute of Science. After 0400, you are free to go home. Your daily wage of 15,000 tenge will be posted to your mailing address. Unless informed otherwise, you are expected to arrive back for work by 1600. Glory to the labor. Signed, Konstantin Markarov, head of the... The directions to my new workplace were heavily censored. Whilst I could make out the street names that hugged the edge of the forest, everything beyond the initial grouping of trees was blacked out with a marker. The rules and description of the job raised additional questions, but my eyes remained locked on the promise of a salary. That night, I went to sleep early, excited about the chance at a life that doesn't involve regular visits to the Ministry of Labor. As I found myself drifting off, however, an odd phrase crept into my mind. The building formerly known as the People's Institute of Science was occasionally referred to by that name, but that name would only be uttered in the most select of paranoid circles. The Institute was only called in old wives' tales, to terrify children and by grizzled drunks whose grasp on reality had slipped beyond help. Back when the Soviets still ruled the country, the People's Institute of Science was a research facility. That was all that was known of it. Somewhere around the early 2000s, there was hushed news of Russian soldiers traveling into the woods. But that information seemed to be more connected to the constant speculation about the Institute rather than any factual evidence. Whether the Institute was mentioned, people spoke of forbidden knowledge and vengeful spirits, but I've never considered myself particularly superstitious. 
For moments, the thoughts of stories behind stirred me in my bed. Even thinking of the name disturbed me. Yet, soon enough, memories of the Ministry of Labor wash out the thoughts of abandoned science facilities. Every two weeks, I was required to appear at the Ministry to reiterate my inability to find work. Every two weeks, I had to meet with the same angry clerk. The man had a very peculiar mole right above his mouth. Whenever he would berate me, the strange piece of flesh would bounce above his lip like a destructive basketball trapped in an office. With hopes of never visiting the Ministry of Labor again, I drifted off to sleep. Last Christmas, my mother bought me a thermos and a sandwich press. When I left the house for my new job, the air had sharp, cold teeth. Yet the hot thermos and freshly toasted ham and cheese sandwich provided me warmth. That warmth slowly grew into a need to call my mother, to tell her about my new job, to thank her for her gifts and care, yet by the time I picked up my phone, I was out of signal range. The forest had no coverage. Even if there was a signal, I would have to wait for my mother to call me back. My phone has long been without credit. All that I could use it for is sending call requests, accepting calls, and bulk loading Reddit posts off my neighbor's Wi-Fi. I made a mental note to call my mother after my first shift and kept on walking through the forest. Even though each breath of the frigid air pained my lungs, there was a semblance of tranquility in the woods. Aside from my footsteps on the leaves and the occasional crackling twigs, the universe was completely silent. No birds, no wind, no wildlife. Just the forest and me. Then, a screaming foreigner ran down the forest path. The man wore a heavy motorcycle jacket, and would have looked intimidating in the dim lighting of a roadside bar. Yet, in the middle of the forest, he looked utterly absurd. I didn't understand a word that he was yelling at me, but that didn't dissuade him from screaming even louder. For a couple minutes, I tried to figure out if he needed something, if he was lost or hurt. But it quickly became apparent that our language gap couldn't be crossed on a timer. Not wanting to be late for my first day at work, I pointed out the way to the nearest road and bid the man goodbye. Sure, the right thing would have been to make sure the guy was alright, but I wanted to make a good first impression at my new job. I wanted to keep my new job. For a moment, the lush green forest around me started to trouble me. Was I going in the right direction? The forest just seemed like a regular forest, no change in the foliage and no Soviet science facility in sight. I checked the time on my phone every two minutes. But then, my mind calmed. The trees in front of me started to grow sickly. The bushes shed their leaves and turned into tortured wooden grasps. Soon enough, the forest around me turned gray and dead. The foliage around the facility is quite distinctive. I was on the right track. The trees grew progressively thinner and bent until there were none at all. It was as if the big cement block that lay in front of me had seeped out every ounce of life from the land around it. The building that was formerly known as the People's Institute of Science stuck out of the dead earth as if it was a tombstone for an inhuman corpse. Like a metallic crown of lenses, 
a mess of spotlights sat on top of the institute. The eyes of the electric lanterns were dim, but I felt as if they were all looking at me. Nearby was the guard shack the letter had mentioned. I breathed a sigh of relief. It was exactly 0700. I confidently walked into the shack, preparing to make a good impression on my supervisor. Yet the shack was empty. I was alone. For a couple minutes, I waited by the telephone, expecting some sort of a phone call to make sure I'm at work. But when none came, I decided to do the actual work I was being paid for. Just as the letter had said, there was a ditch filled with water surrounding the building of the institute. The moat stank of old socks and something seems to be moving in the water, but it was easy enough to jump over and ignore. I took a walk around the concrete block and didn't find any vagrants, dead or alive. The big double door to the facility, however, had a metal lock on it. The thing was clapped on tight, but the bolt cutters and the tool cabinets made quick work of the fixture. I walked a couple more circles around the facility to check for vagrants, and then I went into the guard shack. It was 1614. I still had nearly seven hours of doing nothing until midnight. I started to search the shack for the supervisor's number, just so I would be prepared if the need arose. I did not find it. After close inspection, however, I realized the number wouldn't be of much use anyway. The phone had no dial pad. It was just a black box with a receiver. Out of curiosity, I picked up the phone. What is nature of your emergency? A female voice strained through static asked. I explained there was no emergency and introduced myself. A couple of seconds into my introduction, the voice cut me off. Monitor facility grounds until you hear a siren. Only contact your supervisor in case of emergency or to verify documents. Then she hung up. The receiver did not go silent, however. A strange electric hiss started to grow on the other side. It was as if the static itself was trying to repeat the woman's words. As if the strange misfires of circuitry were trying to achieve sentience. I hung up the phone. It was making me feel uncomfortable. I spent a good chunk of time staring at the open field of the Institute. The stillness, the silence, it was all sort of calming. But then I got bored. By the time the sun set and the spotlights of the Institute lit up, my phone battery was already at 50%. I was hopping back and forth between browsing through interesting Ask Reddit threads and gazing out at the cement structure. The things on my phone were interesting to read, but looking out at that perfectly square construction in the woods, sensing the way the light fixtures slowly followed me through the shack, it was all quite hypnotic. My job was tranquil, and the promised pay was good. As I sat in the shack, I found myself drifting off to daydreams. I was never going to see the clerk with the mole again. I could pay off all my debts. I could date. In my mind, a new future was starting to manifest. The siren quickly chased it out. The shrill sounds coming from the wall startled me, but I got into position as quickly as I could. I placed my chair against the window and stared at the wall. 
I would do as the letter told me to do. Keep my eyes to myself and just read out the documents. The siren eventually quieted down into a low buzz. The lights on the facility went dim. Only the small light in my shack kept the darkness at bay. Outside, staggered footsteps approached. I hoped that I could strike up some conversation with the members of the midnight shift and maybe better my chances of securing steady employment. But these people did not speak. They simply passed me their documents through the window slot and ignored any of my small talk. I did as I was told. The documents I was passed were simple enough to understand. All that was present was a name, a badge number, and a picture. They were definitely science types. They all wore glasses. I read their names and badge numbers into the phone, one by one. The supervisor grunted in response to each name. Dr. Nikolsky, badge number so-and-so, grunt. Dr. Krimsky, badge number so-and-so, grunt. Dr. Nowak, badge number so-and-so, grunt. Once no new badges were presented, the siren picked up again. I shouted into the phone, asking the supervisor if there was something else I was meant to do. Has Dr. Vitek appeared? The voice asked. I told her I didn't know, but that I could ask the midnight crew. You are not to look at or communicate with any of the employees. Remain seated until siren ends, and then go back to monitoring grounds. She hung up. I quickly put the phone down before that horrid static started up again. The siren dragged on into the night, and it didn't make for pleasant company. But when it finally quieted down, I found myself appreciating the calmness of my new job even more. The lights on top of the facility did not turn on after the siren went quiet, but there was plenty of moonlight to convince me that no one was sneaking around the grounds. The metal double door of the building was shut. It was a couple of minutes after midnight. I finished reading the rest of the posts I had saved up on my phone and ate the sandwich I was too nervous to eat before. I kept the last 5% of my phone battery to tell the time. As soon as the digital clock struck 0400, I was out of the shack and on my way back. By the time I got back home, there was an envelope in my mailbox. Your daily wage of 15,000 tenge will be posted to your mailing address. No additional letter. I counted and recounted the money for longer than I would care to admit, and then I called my mother. She has always been quite superstitious, so I simply told her I was hired as a groundskeeper at a government facility and skipped any specifics. Even without details, she was overjoyed that I had found some form of employment. After I got off the phone with her, I counted the money one more time, and then passed out. My next shift contained no vagrants, locks, or corpses. I simply got paid to show up and stare at the empty field and read some name badges for a grunting supervisor. Dr. Vitek didn't show up that night, or on any of the other nights, yet every shift the supervisor still asks about him. At first I was happy about the money, about the possibility of digging myself out of debt, but after a couple of shifts at the building that was formerly known as the People's Institute of Science, I found myself troubled. 
There's a part of me that is curious about what it is on the other side of that door. Did I wonder what happens inside of the Institute on the first night? Obviously. As satisfied as I was in that shack, the temptation of the unknown called to me. My mind filled with various explanations for the different rules the letter dictated. I found myself thinking back to the scary stories around the campfire, trying to figure out what tales about the could actually be real. But I let go of those thoughts quickly. Even thinking of that horrible name gave me goosebumps. But more importantly, I knew what was on the other side of that door. The clerk with a strange mole. Sitting in that shack, I knew that if I was to open that door, I would also be opening the door to getting fired, to having to spend countless hours filling up forms at the Ministry of Labor. The door was guarded by the clerk on the first night. He stood there, reminding me what would happen if I disobeyed my faceless employer. The clerk's specter has kept me away on the first night, yet my memories of him are starting to fade. After a week of working at the building formerly known as the People's Institute of Science, I barely remember what the clerk looks like. I can still resist it. I can still ignore the strangeness that surrounds my job. Yet, I fear that one day, one day soon, I might fall to the temptation and look inside of the building. I fear I might look inside and not like what I find. I fear all of those stories I heard about are true. The Cabinet of Fever Dreams is written and produced by Mike Jesus Langer and is brought to you by patrons such as Moo, Serafina L, Lucky J. Horton, Alan Rawl, Kuss, Bob Kondrick, Chicken Mixer, Daniel Wengel, and Mr. Creepypasta. If you'd like to join these fine people and support the show and get early access to episodes along with a bunch of bonus content, drop by patreon.com slash Mike J. Langer. That's all for tonight, comrade. See you here next episode for another tale from the United People's Institute of Science. Glory to labor.